Electricast. With the Baker's Plus Card, it's easy to get lower than low prices for the win. Earn fuel points on every purchase and save up to a dollar a gallon at the pump. The Baker's Plus Card. All you do is win. Big, big savings. Sign up now at bakersplus.com and start saving. Baker's. Fresh for everyone. Savings may vary by state. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your favorites with the buy five or more, save a dollar each sale. Simply buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with your card. Baker's. Fresh for everyone. Hello, and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show, featuring Jason Zook. In uncertain times, we must change our focus and priorities. This show will highlight social justice issues with the goal of expanding minds and increasing unity, love, and mutual respect for ourselves and our planet. We support the Black Lives Matter movement, Our show aspires to promote social spirituality, which simply means that by coming together, we can solve any of our problems, including the goal of bringing an end to all forms of hate, discrimination, bias, or oppression. We must protect our environment, reform our criminal justice system, and protect every citizen from police brutality. When we come together, it becomes possible to bridge the gaps that plague our society and divide us from within. We the people means everyone. Hello and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show. This is Jason Zook. It's a great pleasure I have the opportunity of presenting special guest Neil Elliott to the show today. To any outsider, Neil was highly educated, owned a profitable consulting firm, and had a successful career and an amazing wife and family. But things were not all as they seemed to be. Neil was facing a lot of challenges. In a phrase, he was in a dark place. Quite by accident, he discovered a higher road. As he traveled that road, he found the key to transforming his life. Over the course of the following year, Neil lifted himself to an inner state of love, peace, joy, and abundance. His perspectives on life changed entirely. His troubles and tribulations were his impetus to find the key that enabled him to revolutionize his life. Neil learned that the search for a better life does not entail positive thinking, saying affirmations, chanting mantras, or traveling to India to sit at the feet of a guru, or any other popularized method of finding yourself. The key? To ascend in both spiritual perception and truth you need to use the right process to break through your entrenched human ego barriers. For nearly three decades, Neil read hundreds of self-help and spiritual books and took self-development courses. All of them offered hope for change and improvement, but nothing fulfilled his needs or genuinely delivered on its promises. Neil's desire and his mission in life is to share the knowledge he gained and the process he used on his journey to self-awareness together with the blueprint document he discovered that was instrumental in transforming his life. He wants to give you, regardless of your station in life, the tools and opportunity to empower yourself, transform your life, and draw peace and joy and prosperity into your personal situation and environment. Neil believes as more and more people follow his higher road to the true spiritual perfection, a new era of love and peace will be dawning for everyone around the world. It's a great pleasure. I welcome Neil to the show. Welcome to the show, Neil. Oh, thank you, Jason. It's a pleasure to be here. And I'm uh, excited about our conversation today. Me too. I, I, I love that you're, I just said in your intro that you went through a process and 
I've done something like that myself, where you take self-help courses, you read books, you the mantras, the meditation, positive affirmations. I still invest in all that stuff. But I want to ask you, from your journey, what do you find was the most pivotal moment of your journey that really helped you to transform your way of looking at the world around you? In a short, I was uh, drove myself into an extremely deep depression. I was despondent. And, and I was asking myself questions like, what's the purpose with life? I, I worked hard. I earned a lot of money. I spent a lot of money and couldn't seem to get ahead. And even though my wife and I had, we had great vacations, she's from Germany and we'd go to Europe and do these fantastic vacations and, and have fun. I just in internally, I was just getting more and more depressed and I brought myself to the brink of suicide. It's a little story around that, but you know, essentially that there was some information that uh, that came to me about a week before I sat down to craft my suicide note. And I was planning my suicide, it being an engineer, I was had it planned out and uh, I was going to do it in about three months, make sure my wife was financially going to be okay, say goodbye to my family and friends without them knowing what I was going to do. But this information had arrived about a week earlier and it promised to liberate me from my thinking if I uh, studied it and read it. And so I thought, well, okay, I'll, I'll set that date of pulling the trigger on the suicide, you know, off to the side a little bit, push it out and I'll start this material. It's, it's more of a process than just this material or, or what I'm going to say right now. But, you know, a year later I woke up and my depression was entirely gone. I was just full of love and peace and joy. And, and I had a new outlook on life and I had a verve for life and I, and I wanted to share this process I had gone through from the rooftops. And um, I thought, okay, well, people are going to look, look at me like I'm a nutcase. So it took me a couple of years to figure out, you know, the best way to do that is to write a book, be candid about what was in the, you know, about my life in the book so that people could learn from that. And um, they could read my book uh, and make a decision for themselves, whether it made sense to them, this process and this new knowledge that I share. And if it does, great. And uh, if it doesn't, uh, you know, that's not a problem, you know. Let me ask you this, because that's a lot to unpackage. And I identify with a lot of things you're talking about with mental health stuff, depression, suicide, and coming onto the other side of things with your book. I want to ask you this, because that's a, that's a lot right there for me to, with our audience, I'm sure there's a lot of people in the audience that can relate to what you're describing in terms of mental health problems. I, I like to think of mental health, like if you have a broken elbow or a broken arm, right? Everyone give you the cast and right on your arm. And when you're younger, you know, that was like the big thing. And if you have like a mental health issue, people really still shy away from it. Don't talk about it. It's not something you should bring up. And after we've all gone through the last two years, I would say the best thing we could do is change that altogether. And the fact that you're coming on a show to talk about this topic makes me feel very good about our conversation, because I think it's just so important that we address these issues head on. And that's what I like about your, your personal struggle. I've dealt with mental health issues my whole life. And I, I can completely tell you that with your, your suicide situation, you know, my heart goes out to you. And I'm so happy that you were able to find a light and find encouragement, empowerment, and then use that to turn it around and create a book for yourself. I just, that's transformation. And it's powerful and it's encouraging for anyone else who struggles out there to think, you know what? You're not stuck with mental health. If you really don't want to be, you can take the steps, come out of the darkness, let people know about it, find support for yourself. I just want to 
appreciate that you shared that with our show because that's important to bring up. I do want to say this, your book, how did you start the steps to writing your book? What was it that motivated you and prompted you to write your book? Because when I experienced what I experienced, and we'll talk more about that, but when I came to have this spiritual awakening and, and this connection, and I'll call it the divine in our conversation here, but you know, whether you call it God, our creator, our source, Yahweh, the Tao, you know, whatever you want to call it, Allah, it doesn't matter. There's, there's one creator. And, uh, if, and so I'll refer to it as the divine for now. And when you get this spiritual connection with the divine, you feel this inflow of spiritual energy. At some point, you know what you've learned is true. And when you know that, your whole world changes. And, and I, I came to understand that, again, talk about this a little bit more with some of the science stuff that I share, but I came to understand that everything that I thought as right or wrong, true or false, good or bad, is really just a belief. And that everything that we see in our world and that we judge as right or wrong, true or false, good or bad, is just a reflection of our beliefs. And the other thing that is key to all of this is that, the other piece of this is that it is through our thinking and our feeling that we create every experience and every event that comes into our life. And so some of the science stuff I read before this uh, near-death experience that I share that I read, not my near-death experience, but from a, a woman that I read. And then the, the rest of this process, you, I, I offer new information for people that to me made total sense because it was rational, it was logical, it was based in science, and it enabled me to bridge this gap between spirituality and science. And when I did that and I followed the process I followed that I share in a higher road, I just came into this whole new world of being. And it is, you know, for lack of a better word, we don't have the human language to describe it. It is magical. It is, it is truly, it is divinely inspired it is magical it is i have mutual and reciprocal communication with our creator all day long and i just have to sit and be silent and quiet and i can feel that inflow of energy and direction and it's just it's it's what we're here to do we are not here to please god we are here to express god and god is unconditional love and so I'm giving you like a lot of things here that it's like, well, how does that even make sense? And we can it talk makes, about that. It makes total sense to me since I'm spiritual and I'm a psychic medium and I pick up on, on the deceased loved ones all the time. And I can tell you, I've also had a near death experience and I was under anesthesia and I felt unconditional love, a wave of it wash over me and words. You're right. Words can't describe the, the adequacy of the spiritual moment because it's, it's like, Trying to describe, I'll try to use this real easily, trying to think back in 1950s, like not dating me because that wasn't me, but like my parents are in the 50s, right? Growing up as a kid and they had black and white TV. And now we have like 8K. You can't compare the two. <laughs> We're not meant to. But the spirituality and it can definitely give us the opportunity of appreciating it when we see it. And so when you have a spiritual awakening, it becomes one of those things where it gives you an opportunity to realize that I always say this all the time, and you'll probably agree with this, that we're spiritual beings living in a physical world. 
And so for me, that's pivotal. That's important to kind of separate those things. But I, I like the fact that you're taking your background as an engineer and then going through the process of understanding spirituality in, in the light of that, from the framework of that. And I want to ask you, son, when you decided to do that, I know it's probably instinctive after you went through your experiences. Did you ever realize that your engineering background would give you a unique perspective on looking at all this stuff from the spiritual lens? Uh, no, I didn't. I No, I had no concept that it was even going to be helpful in something like that. But today, now that I know what I know, I can, you know, share this with people and it's stuff that, you know, we don't have to get into mathematical calculations and things that engineers do. <laughs> it is, it is concepts and understanding that we all know today, that things that we know today in science that we didn't know hundred years ago, 200 years ago. And it's those kinds of concepts that people can understand because, and see, because we get the technology out of these things that enable us to better understand creation and the information i share will i share what was before the big bang what happened at the time of the big bang the impetus for the big bang what happened at the time of big bang how creation came about and then how we use the tools of electromagnetism to create everything that we see and uh, everything that surrounds us that we view as solid it is it's it's knowledge that you know it takes time to actually absorb and and fully understand and come to realize what it is the 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 spiritual words of enlightenment cannot be fully comprehended by the human mind without going through a process to get to a deeper level and a higher frequency of consciousness and when you do that you start to be able to understand this material more uh, easily and it's a real and it's a simple process it does take dedication and process and practice but anybody can do it and uh and i and i'm a testament to that because you know i'm an engineer <laughs> if i can do it anybody can do it <laughs> i want to get into your book a little bit and i want to ask you what are the key concepts of your book in a higher road and how would we apply them to our lives at any stage yeah, so let, let's talk a little bit about the structure of the book, and then we'll get into some of the uh, information around it. So I've constructed the book in five parts, and um, my recommended way to read A Higher Road is to read it from cover to cover, understand the process, process in its entirety, and then make a decision for yourself whether it's something that makes sense to you. And if it does, then go back and either start with some of the science material I share, or if you're familiar with that, you can start directly with step one. And then just go through it methodically and this, this new information that came to me. And so I can say this now that what was happening to me was a foundation to open my mind was coming to me through some books that I read and I share these and it helped me grasp and understand and come to a new concept of consciousness. And so I, my mind opened up with how I thought about consciousness. And then I embarked on this new blueprint document, I'll call it, I gathered all this material together. And I offer it to people for free once they've read a higher road and decide they want to embark on this process. And that material then did this final bridge between science and spirituality for me and gave me the rest of the process I needed to go through 
to have this spiritual awakening and then deepen in this as I've, as I've carried on with it. So the book is constructed this way. Part one is an overview of what you're going to learn. Part two is a memoir of my life. And I'm a very private person, but I made it very candid uh, because in that memoir, I describe my thought patterns, what I learned as a child and uh, what I reinforced over my lifetime. And what we think and feel creates every event and every experience in our life. And so every of us develop our own thought patterns and our own way of thinking that creates these events that come into our life. And we can never connect the two. But when you understand how and why the universe was created and what your purpose is when you come here, you will start to be able to make these connections. So uh, I write this memoir in part two of my book so people can go back and use it as a blueprint for themselves to, or a template for themselves to kind of, if they're interested, look at their own life. Part three of the book is really a discussion of consciousness, my new concept of consciousness. And I share uh, some other authors I read that helped me on this path to lay this foundation to open my mind. Part four, I share some, some of the information in this blueprint document. And part five is my personal experience and journey as I went through the seven steps. I appreciate you sharing the structure. And just from looking at the way you laid out your book, I wanted to ask you about when you use your own, I would say it's, it's your own perspective and it's your own, your, your version of the story, right? Your, your, your memoir, I should say. When you use that, how would you recommend other people could use your memoir as a basis for their own template to incorporate your beliefs? Yeah, no, that's a, it's a great question. So when you actually understand these processes in its own and you understand how and why our thinking and our feeling creates these blueprints in consciousness that ends up attracting to us exactly what we're thinking about and what we're feeling. You can go back and you can start to dissect and look at how you think about various things as right or wrong, true or false, good or bad, the judgments that you make, the uh, your criticisms of other people and, you know, which are based on your judgments and how you view a certain circumstance. So I use excerpts of things in my life that I adopted when I was a kid and then got reinforced as they as they be, as we became older. So. You know, let's talk about this for a minute. So when, when you come in as a, as a baby, you, I'll leave them back up even further. Each of us, our souls are perfect. We are, our souls are fragments of divine consciousness. We are unconditional love. And when in the conception process, the soul is incorporated into that conception process when sperm and ovum meet and uh, you get a fertilized egg and you start the growth of this body. From age, from babyhood to about age five, your brain has not developed yet the ability to consciously make decisions for itself. So what it's really doing is it's a sponge. It's just absorbing all of your environment, your, your parents' feelings, their thought patterns, what they say, all your siblings, those kinds of things. And you are starting to shape how your beliefs in this process. So you come in with some things, we'll talk about soul and soul evolution too, but you come in with some things that you haven't dealt with in a previous life. You come in with things that you need to learn in this life, and then it gets mixed with 
these concepts and, and belief patterns that you adopt as a baby when you are through this up to age five. Then at age five, you're still influenced by things that you learn and the people around you and all that kind of stuff as your expanded interaction with people grows as you go through school and stuff. And you're starting to reinforce your patterns of behavior. You're learning some new stuff and you're starting to reinforce your patterns of uh, thinking and feeling. And we think we're becoming versed in the ways of the world. But what we're really doing is we're shutting our soul off from the light, from the connection with the divine. And the ego is in control of these things. And then at some point, the ego has complete control of your life. And, you know, every now and then you'll get some inspiration that will be divinely inspired and you may take that, but your ego predominantly has control for, for most people. And then what we do is we reinforce these patterns of thinking and feeling. So I explain exactly the patterns of thinking and feeling in my memoir that ended up creating issues for me later on in life. And so people, when they understand this process and they understand these mechanisms, they can go back and they can look at their own thought patterns, uh, both consciously and subconsciously that they've programmed into their subconscious. And they can, they can start to understand how they think and feel and the kinds of things that they attracted into their life and things that you think and feel will attract into your life. You know, it might be a few days, a months, weeks, years, could be many years in the future. But you'll be able to go back and dissect your own life and your own thought patterns and and truly understand this. And when you understand these mechanisms and then you have a process to cleanse yourself of this patterns of thinking and the the um, thought patterns and thinking that have you programmed in your subconscious mind and your ability to rebuild that into golden aspirations of divine consciousness, which are, you know, I'm going to I'm going to call them that. And uh, that's more in alignment with who you really are, who your soul really is, then your life starts to change and your outlook and your views of the world start to change. And that's what this process really is about. It's about transcending your ego and allowing yourself up to have this mutual and reciprocal communication with the divine and your life becomes truly inspired. I know you were in a dark place originally. Do you feel that there are certain forces in one's life that can cause a transformation like the one you went through that you you think could be a universal thing? Because I've talked to other people that have spiritual awakenings and they always tell me they were triggered by the death of a, of a spouse or a bout with a disease or a near-death ep- episode. You know, I want to ask your viewpoint on it. Do you think that spiritual awakenings would be triggered, I guess, by life events, certain life events that you experience? Short answer is yes, but the way I'm going to answer it is this, is that, so I'll say two things. First is that it's only through lessons of suffering does the journeying soul gain self-knowledge to retain individuality after discarding the ego. Your soul's purpose in coming here to this earth, which is our school, is to learn and experience over many, many lifetimes. And There may be some people that come into this lifetime that have already begun that awakening. They come into this lifetime. They might not have to have a depression or, uh, you know, some other life, negative life event that triggers them to continue their process. For me in particular, 
it's obvious to me now that I needed to get to the place where I got to, to open myself up to learning this new knowledge and coming to this new understanding. So for me, it was this process and for others, it will be as well. Well, and the reason I ask that is I believe that you, like you said, your memoir could serve as a template. And I feel like your personal experiences with this stuff memorialized in your book as well, your theories and your concepts can help other people. It's like getting uh, the cliff note version of the experience, but you get to go through the experience by following your example. And I think that's very empowering that if somebody wants to learn about your experience, they can read your book and go through it the way you recommended. You know, you read it first from cover to cover, then you can go back through and find the areas that really resonate with you. And I think that that's something that for itself, you've turned a negative situation and one of empowerment, enlightenment, and growth. I don't know if you've ever seen it that way, but that's how I see it coming from the outside in, looking at your situation and talking about it today. It's like, well, well, you, thank you. Those are, those are very it. kind you, words. <laughs> it's true though. Like you come on talking about how you, you've been in this dark place and you were thinking about suicide and look where you've transformed your life. And you're an author, you're coming on shows, you're talking about your own concepts that you've picked up on through your own experiences spiritually after your own, you know, that's, that's huge. Um, one of the things I want to ask you, do you believe that you're an intuitive person? I would have to break down the word intuitive, but I would say yes to that now. Okay. Prior I, to I, this, I, can, I would I can, say no. <laughs> I, I'll rephrase my question. Like I went in a deposition. I'll, I'll ask you this. Do you feel after going through these experiences and being awoke spiritually, do you believe that you gain information? I, I mean, you do, but I'm, I'm basically trying to ask you to clarify, how do you view yourself on the ability of, of seeing beyond the, the 3d world we're in right now? Time matter space. Oh, well, okay. And we can talk more about this. That's a good, that's a great topic. So this process is initially more of a feeling and inspiration. And then at some point it becomes bigger than that. So for example, when I, you know, we perceive things as solid, Every, you know, we see things as solid and we know in science today at a subatomic level, we're all just energy. There's more space in this hand than there is anything solid, but we perceive that as solid. And we are in this materialized form under universal laws of uh, cause and effect materialization. We perceive this. This is part of this process or it's like we're method act method actors. You know, we adopt, we come here and we adopt this this ego and we let this ego have control and we, and we fully believe what we believe. I mean, and we're, we're fully ingrained in it. Yes. Go ahead. I was gonna say, you're speaking my language. Cause I talk about how everything's energy. I read energy as a psychic medium and how our loved ones, when they cross over from the readings I've done over the last 20 years, they always tell me that they're connected to us. And it's all energy. And I tell people that our bodies are like, the Cadbury, I like to use the Cadbury egg example that our bodies are like the Cadbury egg and outer shell and our spirits really what's inside. And that if you break open the Cadbury egg, you got this soft gooey stuff. That's who we are. That's the energy, that's spirit. It's all interchangeable. And that human knowledge hasn't been able to rise to the level of understanding how the spirit transcends yet. Cause you don't have that many people that have gone on to the other side to come back and beam here and tell us, you know, there's different theories, but I can tell you, at least from my belief, that we're going to pick up, science is going to catch up with this stuff in the next 20, 30 years. Mark my words, there's going to be devices that pick up 
on your spirit when it leaves the body. I believe that. I've had premonitions of that. I think we're going to have, like we have computers and <laughs> webcams and cell phones. I feel like in, a, in, in 30 years from now, there's going to be some type of device that can actually register the energy leaving the body. Like, And I tell people that our deceased loved ones, when I pick up on them, it's like a Wi-Fi signal. You have to tune into it. And it's all energy. But you're you're basically speaking exactly my paradigm on this stuff, at least from my vantage point. And I, I think it's great. So can I just um let's add on that a little bit or I'll Absolutely. add something else to it. Please do. In you know, in the in the future, the way we detect illness and the way we detect the onset of illness will be entirely different than what we do today. Illness in a in an organ is really just a depletion of life force energy. And if you can replenish that energy, you can bring the health back to that organ. And in the future, what we're, what we're going to be able to do. So we have these screens right now that actually can show the body and show the various vibrational frequency of the various energies throughout the body that can be detected on screens in the future. What will, so there will be, and it'll probably start with hypnosis. But there will probably be, uh, or there will likely be a process where um, we'll be able to link people's thought processes to the depletion of life force energy in, a, in an affected body part. That will be diagnosed early on and quickly, and people will be taught how to change their mental processes and their mental thinking before the onset of that illness actually comes in or to be able to correct it if it's already started to happen. And so I think we already have the technology. It's just, we don't, we haven't married the science yet. Now, universal consciousness is in silence and stillness. It is an equilibrium. It is two opposing impulses that are locked in an embrace. And it will never be detected by science. Science will never be able to understand where we come from. What it's going to take is it's going to take some spiritually awakened people that understand science that can utilize what we know in science to be able to help us do things like what I just talked about, what you just talked about. But science itself will never be able to detect our creator because our creator is in silence and stillness. So no matter how they probe science or how they probe space, they will never be able to detect where we actually come from. I could see that because there's knowledge to that, that we're not going to be able to understand either. Like our science yeah. isn't the higher level to understand. It's like trying to understand things. Like I said earlier, black and white TV and AK, you know, you're not going to get everything on this level until you transcend to the next. Yeah. I, I want to ask you if you could talk about your book a little more. And share with our audience the concepts itself. We've kind of got into that a little, but I also want to talk about the seven steps. Yes. Well, okay. So let's talk about, you know, so what did I have to do first? And this is in the science chapter and around consciousness. So, so part three of the book, this is the book that started, this is the process I used that started, that started to lay this foundation for me to wake up to, to change how I thought about consciousness. So I used to think about consciousness as all in my brain, anything that I had thought was something that I'd learned or been exposed to, you know, or been taught. And all of the thoughts that I had, I thought were stored in my brain and emanated from my brain. And I'd cobble them together into concepts and sentences and stuff. And when I started this process, I, I, I read a book 
uh, which I share all of this in this in the science chapter. But I read a book by an author that that really talked about mind and memes. And it talked about what we think as right or wrong, true or false, good or bad is really only just a belief. So that's the first thing that was a trigger for me was to start and think about that. Uh, anything that I thought was really just a belief. And, and that was a new concept for me because I believed, Hey, look, I'm a, I'm an engineer. I know what's right and wrong. You know, gravity exists, right? It's, it's, you know, we can prove that gravity exists. So that's right. If I stand in front of a bus, yeah, I'm not, you know, somebody said to me, I'm more space than I'm energy. It'll feel yeah, solid. Well, stand in put front it of that a way. Bus. Yeah. If you stand in front of a moving bus, it'll feel very solid when you hit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, those are the kinds of things. So what I began to understand is that consciousness is not only in my brain and in my body, but it's all around us. And that... I see now uh, thoughts as more of this stream that goes by me and I choose a thought out of that stream. And I, if I like it, I keep it. It might be a loving and a kind thought. It could be a angry and a hateful thought, but you know, if it's consistent with my patterns of thinking, I keep it and, and I, and I dwell on it and I like it. And if it's not consistent with my thinking, I just throw it back in the stream. And so I see thoughts as just all around us and go by my awareness in this stream you know, then I kind of learned that, okay, well, what I believe to be right or wrong, true or false, et cetera, is really just a belief. And then I read a book on epigenetics that really described that what we think and feel affects the expression of a cell. So we can either promote the well-being of that cell and the health of that cell or be detrimental to it by what we think and what we feel. Question is, what do you think and what you do you feel, and which ones give you health and which ones are detrimental? I'm probably not going to say this exactly right, but my understanding is there's been some studies where if people use negative terminology, like certain words that are very like death and evil, that if you look at the molecules in water with that kind of thing, you'll show disorder. And if you show love and peace and joy, that you'll actually see the crystals and the molecules in the water will be ordered and configured. Have you ever heard about that study? It's yeah, so there was uh this was by a Japanese scientist. I can't remember his name at the moment. And what they did is they labeled body bottles of water with, you know, love or hate or anger or, you know, kindness. And then they analyzed the molecules afterwards. That's it's so interesting to me to have that. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but when you were talking about it, it made me think of that. Yeah. 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 No, no, no. And that was, I don't know. That was 15 years ago anyway, or 10 years ago, at least. Right. Yes. So that's a, that's a great point. Glad you brought that up and people can find that, um, uh, you know, on the internet and you will also find everything else you find on the internet, which is things that's that try and debunk that anyway. <laughs> so <laughs> as anything you can find on the internet, exactly. <laughs> read some books on neuroplasticity and scientists used to believe that you know, back in this before the 60s, used to believe that the brain grew to a certain size and then it atrophied over a lifetime. And in the 1960s, they discovered you could change neural pathways, how you think in the brain, and you could also grow new brain cells. And so I read one very technical book. I share both these again in a higher road. I read one really technical book, which was really great, kind of talked about all the research that developed these um, theory or this new understanding. But I read a really easy read book where, again, I offer this. And um, what it was, was uh, it was by a medical professional that used uh, real life examples of people that, you know, for example, maybe 
one of them had a brain injury that had detrimental effects from that brain injury. And then how through specific processes, they changed their neural pathways and grew new brain cells and alleviated all or some of those negative effects of that brain injury. So really what I'm doing is, you know, is going through this process of opening myself up to understand consciousness in a different way, to understand that what we think and feel affects our biology and can affect our brains and grow new brain cells as well. The other thing that was important in this learning is that what we, you know, if we think nutrition is important for our body and the things that we eat, what we expose ourselves to mentally, the food we consume mentally is more important to our health than what we serve our body nutritionally. So if you're always watching things that are detrimental, murder, rape, you know, all of the, the things that are negative in life that we have are, you know, just surrounded in memes or movies and television and radio, all of those negative things reinforce our thinking and, and attract to us individually and collectively these blueprints of consciousness that we put out to the universe to magnetize these negative effects to us in our life. That's later on for the conversation. But and then I read this near-death experience. It's a book by a woman who, who had this near-death experience. And she had suffered from four years of a, uh, this aggressive cancer that left her body from her waist to her head riddled with tumors and open weeping lesions. Her body weight went from a normal body weight down to 75 or 90 pounds. She couldn't lift her head. Uh, she was on oxygen 24 hours a day and required constant care. She fell into a coma. Uh, was rushed to the hospital and the admitting physicians told her husband and family that she wouldn't make it through the night. She woke up 24 hours later and declared she'd be okay. And within two weeks, they couldn't find a trace of cancer in her body. So this is all again, medically documented in the hospital about her spontaneous remission. And the, you know, they can't explain it, but it happened. And what's important in that is, is in her book, she described what happened to her in that 24 hour period when she was in this coma and the experiences that um, she had while she was in that coma. And then she brought back certain messages and, you know, she, she's brought back messages of, we come from love, we return to love. We're not judged after we die. And she felt like she was becoming part of everything in the universe. So her concept was that, for example, that consciousness is in everything. And I'm going to have a different different statement for that a little bit later in the conversation but that was hers uh her concept is that you know consciousness is in everything so those things you know that to me when i read that book i didn't under it was believable to me and it was you know documented so that's good as an engineer okay it's documented in hospital records <laughs> so it's believable um her description sounded right i didn't really understand it but it was believable and and what her message, so this is what I took out of the book at the time, because this is what I needed for myself, is that, that it, if I committed suicide, it would be okay. I wouldn't be judged. So it gave me permission to sit down, craft that suicide note, and plan my suicide. Wow. And a week before that, of course, this other material showed up that then promised to liberate me from my thinking. So I was looking for that last ditch effort to change how I thought. That's I mean, I'm sure that was a struggle for you that you had to overcome 
in the process by itself. It sounds like it's something that, thank God you're here today. <laughs> but more importantly than that, when you're looking at your understanding of everything, I would say that your paradigm's enlarged, but you have a larger perspective because of everything you've experienced. And when you look at your your personal story and your own challenges, what would you say to someone in the audience who's struggling right now through something they think maybe it's a divorce, maybe it's their own mental health issues, maybe it's something that maybe they had COVID and they're a long hauler or something like that. What would you say to them based on your personal experiences and your own transformation? Uh, you know, great question. I would say no matter whether you're, so this is a, a phrase that's actually in my book too, no matter whether you're ill or healthy, you know, happy or depressed, living on the street or in a mansion, you can transform your life. And I use the word transform because as humans, that's what we think we're doing. But in reality, what we're doing, and, and you'll understand this when you read A Higher Road and if you follow the seven steps, we're not really transforming our life because our life is our soul. There's nothing to transform. It is perfect. What we're doing is we're stripping away the bondages of the ego and we're allowing our soul to express itself. And so my message of hope for people that you mentioned that may be in a bad place or a bad divorce and are feeling pretty let down by life is that if you can actually go through a process, understand this knowledge, learn this new knowledge, and then have this very specific process you go through, you can totally change your life. On top of that, you could, I mean, you can empower others. Once you figure out the equation of your own existence, I feel like you become then an amazing go-by for other people, right? Like your, your memoir, for example, or like my story, when I tell people what I've been through in my life, I feel like other people can latch into that. Even from listening to this episode during this interview, they'll be, feel inspired by what you're talking about and be able to connect to it, relate to it. And I think that's part of our shared human experience itself. But it also, I think, reflects, as I said earlier, that we're spiritual beings existing on a physical world. I, 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 I have spirituality every day in my life because of my own intuitive stuff that I do. And my perception of everything is just so different than it was even five years ago. I, I will say this, I, everything that you're talking about in in terms of a higher road and just your, your processes and everything, it lines up with what I believe too. I believe when you have the ability to go through a inner process and you grow from that process and you get outside your comfort zone, you in turn evolve and you will grow, you will expand. And that's what this sounds like. It's a metamorphosis of the, of the spirit and soul while living on the earth. And we're in school on during our lifetimes. And I believe that too, that we struggle for a reason to gain wisdom so that we can go back to where we come from a little more informed. And so. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I agree with everything you've just said. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think we're speaking the same language. It's fun to have somebody come on and talk about the same concepts that I feel very strongly about, because I think our audience needs to have different examples of people who are going through these processes one-on-one, -on -one, your own trench. And it's, it's important to be able to give examples to people so that they can read, understand it, relate to, and connect to it. I, I know we're running low on time, but I want to ask you this. If our audience wants to contact you, how would they go about reaching you? And I'm also going to have your information on show notes, but I like to. It's on my website, really. So, uh, and 
the book is a higher road cleanse your consciousness to transcend the ego and ascend spiritually a seven-step process to inner peace joy love abundance and prosperity it's by d neil elliott and the website is d neilelliot.com so d n e i l e l l i o t t.com all of my social media is on there the book is available on amazon or through the bookstores in all your favorite formats of you know hard copy uh paperback or ebook kindle apple nook kobo those kinds of things so yeah so yeah i want to thank you for coming on the show today and i, I really appreciate you sharing your your personal to have the courage to share your vulnerabilities and then taking that and empowering yourself and others. That's, that's a superpower right there. In my opinion, I thank you for coming on and, and, and being so open and, and just being able to express this, you know, these concepts are so important to share, but there, you know, a lot of people get hung up on them. They don't understand them. They don't perceive them. And you've been able to break that down and simplify it. And you've used your engineering background to, to break the Rubik's cube of it. I call it like, I think that's great. <laughs> yeah. So, well, thank you. Thank you so much. And and I'll tell you, there's so much more I could, I could do another show with you for the rest absolutely. of this, you know what I mean? There's, there's just so much more to share with people and, and things that they can sink their teeth into and understand. So, uh, yeah, I'd love to be able to, to have another episode with you, so to speak, to share that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I appreciate it. I just want to thank Neil Elliott for coming on the show today and sharing his personal experiences with spirituality and being able to transform your life from a dark place to one filled with abundance in so many ways. And a lot of us overlook, and I think we really need to appreciate more when someone can be vulnerable and share that vulnerability as a, as a means to helping, inspiring others. I definitely think you need to check out Neil's book, A Higher Road. It's something that I believe you're going to really enjoy checking out and reading about and keep an open mind. As I've always said before, it's important to expand your perspective and do so in a way where you try to find what you're comfortable with. The way that Neil did self-improvement courses and read books, and then he had his own experiences. And obviously life itself is the one road we're on, but there's a higher road involved and you can learn a lot to, to liberate yourself from human ego barriers that might be deeply entrenched in yourself. And to find abundance, sometimes you got to do the extra work. And that's what I think this entails. And I, I challenge everyone in the audience to become more aware and spiritually awakened. Because when you do that, you will understand a lot more about why we're here and purpose and meaning. So check out A Higher Road, check out Neil's website, www dneilelliot.com. I'm just really happy to have this kind of topic on the show because I like to talk about healing modalities. And I think one of the healing modalities we need is to be able to gain awareness and understanding. And so I'm very happy that we had Neil on. Keep tuning in. This is season five. We're going to have a lot of interesting guests on the show. I really appreciate everyone supporting the show. Thank you so much for tuning in. Stay positive because when you're positive, anything is possible. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Social Psychic Radio Show. Don't forget to join us for another episode next time. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give us a review on iTunes. You can also check us out on Facebook, and don't forget to visit the Social Psychic YouTube channel. Until next time, it's a big world out there. Keep an open mind, embrace your paradigms, and know that the universe is always yours to explore. 
With the Baker's Plus card, it's easy to get lower than low prices. For the win! Earn fuel points on every purchase and save up to a dollar a gallon at the pump. The Baker's Plus card. All you do is win. Big, big savings. Sign up now at bakersplus.com and start saving. Baker's. Fresh for everyone. Savings may vary by state. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your favorites with the buy five or more, save a dollar each sale. Simply buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with your card. Baker's. Fresh for everyone. Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Peter. We're the founders of Electrocast Media, bringing you great podcasts like Nightmare Road Stories, Tech Talk Revolution, and Bodacious Minds. Electrocast networks include Ruby for female empowerment, the best business network, and GPN for geopolitics. We built this company to create community and amplify diverse voices, and we really appreciate your support. So, keep listening to Electrocast Podcasts and hear the culture. Hey there, I'm DC. I host the Rock Podcast, Back to the Arena, the Interviews. It's about a 30-minute podcast where I talk one-on-one with a band who has released new music. You can find us on all the best podcast sites like Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and more. If you're a rock band like me, subscribe today to Back to the Arena, the Interviews. Electric Acid. Electric Acid. 